I titled uh, this morning's message, The Resurrection and the Rapture. And we're going to, uh, we're not going to go very far. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be looking at verse 1. That's as far as we're going to go this morning. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of scripture that's going to be read. So uh, this morning, um, as we enter into chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, I'm going to be using verse 1 if you would say, like a stepping stone into the rest of the 19 chapters that are going to follow. Now, if you have one of the, the sheets in hand, you'll see down on the bottom there, you'll see a timeline of the end times. And I want to just briefly, I want you to look at that timeline and I want you to familiarize yourself with it because this is really a very simple outline to what all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation uh, are about. So you see at the beginning of it, this timeline, you see the present church age. We're living in that now. We are in that dispensation of time, that time period called the church age. Then you notice Underneath that, it says the rapture of the church. I hold the view, and I believe that there is going to be a rapture of the church where the church is going to be removed from this earth before the seven-year tribulation period begins. Notice that it has the first three and a half years, the beginning of sorrows. And then you have, at the top of that, you have the desecration of the temple, which we'll be looking at all these different aspects. That's in the middle of the tribulation period. And then the second half of the tribulation period called the Great Tribulation. So seven years of tribulation that are going to come upon this earth. Then following that seven-year tribulation period, there's going to be uh, or at the end, excuse me, of the great tribulation, there's going to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not to be confused with the rapture of the church that happens at the beginning of the tribulation period. You will have the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation period. After that, it'll be the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And... The final judgment that will follow that, which is the great white throne judgment. We'll talk about that a little this morning. And then the eternal state, which means at that point, when all of these things have been fulfilled and there's a new heaven and a new earth, we're going into eternity, that state where we are going to live forever and ever and ever presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So let it be. Amen. We, um, I shared when we started out in this letter or this book, an important verse. It's in your Bibles in chapter 1, verse 19. Look at it. Paul, or excuse me, John is given by the Lord really a simple outline for the book of Revelation. I like to keep things simple. Jesus kept it very simple. He broke it down into really just three sections. Look what it, look what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. That we might say is the outline for the book of Revelation. I want you to notice something of this verse. The first thing that Jesus says speaks of something that has already passed. Remember that when John was on the island of Patmos, he had that vision of the glorified Christ. And in that, John was to record and to write the vision of what he saw of the glorified Christ. Write the things which you have seen, John, 
And he did. And then we come to a period that was present day for uh, the Apostle John. The things which are. Now we spent seven weeks looking at the seven letters to the seven churches in chapters two and three of this book of Revelation. The things which are, those seven letters that Jesus wrote had John write to the seven churches that were there in Asia Minor. That was present day in John's day. Those were literal churches in John's day, but as I shared when we went through them, they are also, I believe, a panoramic view, I believe, of all of church history. The third part of our outline has to do with the future. This is something, and these are things that have not yet come to pass. Jesus says to John to write the things which will take place after this. And so as we looked at chapters 2 and 3, those are the church age. Those are the seven letters to the seven churches in John's day. Today we're going to start out in chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to begin what is now going to be future events to come. And I like the way that as you read your Bibles and you read it under that outline, the things past, the things present, and the things to come. We could also break down the book of Revelation into four major periods of time. The first, as I've already shared, could be chapter 1 to chapter 3. We'll call it the church age. All of that under the church age. That's almost 2,000 years of church history. Jesus Christ, almost 2,000 years ago, died on that cross. We are still in what's called the church age. From chapter 4, where we're going to start today, to chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, that is the tribulation period. The seven-year tribulation period. And we'll get into more details as to why it is seven uh, years at a later time. But for right now, it's chapter 4 to chapter 19, the tribulation period. Then when we get to chapter 20, it's going to be the kingdom age. Chapter 20 speaks about the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, which I believe in a literal reign of Christ, where we are also going to reign with Christ for a thousand years during that period. And then lastly, chapters 21 and 22 speak about the eternal age to come. Eternity which is endless, when we're in the presence of the Lord for eternity, where God has made all things new. Amen? Amen. Amen. So there's your simple outline to how I see it as I read my Bible and I study the book of Revelation. That's how I see it. Chapter 4 is the beginning of this next major event. Uh, as we look at this study this morning, there's something specific that I want to bring home in your hearts and minds, uh, and that is the resurrections and also the rapture of the church. I believe as we enter into chapter 4, these are two things that I believe that you need to have an understanding of. The resurrections, and that's plural, and the rapture of the church. Let's, uh, let's read our, our verse, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John is uh, instructed that he says, After these things, it says, I, John, looked. So John is visually, I believe, seeing something there as he was on that island. Remember, I'm a literalist. When I read my Bible, 
and it says that he saw, I really believe that John saw something. It says that he saw, he looked, and behold, he saw a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now when he says that I will show you things that must take place after this, what is he talking about? After what? I believe that he's talking about after the church age. After Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the church age, I believe after this is now leading towards the seven year tribulation period. I believe that the resurrection and the rapture are important truths for the church to know today. Here's the problem. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of teachers. There are a lot of people that are not teaching the book of Revelation, teaching the people about the things to come, what we should be looking for as a church. And I will say this, those people that don't know, they're missing out on a blessing because that is the blessing that is said to us that we will receive if you read and hear and obey the things that are written in this book. The resurrection, or resurrections plural, is when a physical body that has died is reconstituted to immortal life that will never die again. That's what we have. The resurrection of our bodies. Never to die again. The rapture of the church. Or we might say the translation of the church. Is going to be when those who know Christ. You have to know him as Lord and Savior. Will be removed from earth to heaven. And reconstituted to immortal life in a body that will that has never experienced physical death and will live for eternity. There will be some of us, possibly, if the Lord were to come back today and rapture the church. I believe you're all alive right now, sitting here. If He comes back today for us. And he raptures us, he translates us, he takes us to heaven. Then you are alive right now, I hope. And you will be transformed in the air into your new bodies and you'll go to be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. Those of you that have family members and people that you know that have passed on, that know the Lord as Lord and Savior, they will be resurrected at the same time. And they will have their new bodies at that moment. And so let's look at these resurrections that we see in the Bible. And then also at the rapture of the church this morning. Jesus said in John's gospel in chapter 5 verse 28. He says, do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all. In which all, you might underline that in your Bibles, who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That verse answers one important question. When people die, and they're put into the grave, who's going to be resurrected? Jesus says, all will be resurrected at some point. Every soul that has ever been birthed into this world will be resurrected. Some to the resurrection of life, and some to the resurrection of condemnation. It's one of two. Places that people will go. We also read, and I love this verse, in the book of Job, in chapter 14, verse 14, 
It says, if a man dies, shall he live again? He's asking a question. And then it says, all the days of my hard service, I will wait. And then look what he says, till my change comes. Until my change comes. Brothers and sisters, change is coming. Whether you like it or not, change is coming. You're going to have a new body if you know Jesus Christ. But change is coming. Amen? So let it be. It's going to happen. In the Gospel of John in chapter 6, verse 40, it says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. If you know him as Lord and Savior, you have that confidence that the Lord is going to raise you up if you were to die before he returns. He's going to raise you up to be with him. In the book of Acts, in chapter 24, verse 15, the apostle Paul was standing before the Roman governor Felix on one occasion, and he said this to Felix. He says, I have hope in God which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Paul was convinced of that. The early church believed that, that there was going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 20, verse 13, John sees another vision. This is a vision of the great white throne judgment. And we read this, speaking of that time. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. This will be the resurrection of the wicked. This will be the resurrection of those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All are going to be resurrected someday. Whether you're a believer or you're a non-believer, you will be resurrected someday. And in the book of Philippians, it says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day will come. This resurrection of the wicked or this resurrection of those that do not know Christ or the resurrection of those who think they know Christ. There are going to be many that are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name and do these wonderful works in your name? And the Lord's response in that day will be, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so it's of greatest importance that if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the best day. Because we're not assured even till the end of this day that the Lord could not return today. The resurrection, or the resurrections plural, happen in three parts. We see in Scripture that Jesus Christ was the first resurrection. He's referred to as the first fruits. But then we also have the first resurrection spoken of in Scripture, the first fruits, and then the first resurrection, which I believe is speaking of when the church is resurrected and the rapture of the church happened, there is going to be the start of the first resurrection. We call it the harvest. First, it's the first fruits. Then it's the harvest that's going to take place 
when the church is removed from this earth by the rapture, and when the dead in Christ rise to meet the Lord in the air, the harvest is going to take place. And then there's going to be also the tribulation saints. That would be the gleaning. It was first the, uh, it, it was first the first fruits, then it was the harvest, then the people would come in behind and the gleanings would take place. There is going to be that time at the end of the tribulation period where the tribulation saints, these are those that have given their life to Jesus Christ during that seven year tribulation period uh, are also going to be resurrected at that point. These, this first fruits, it's interesting, and, and the Lord is so incredible the way this is laid out. Just think about what I'm sharing with you right now. It is so incredible what the Lord has laid out in eternity. When you think, of, and this is all God's plan. He's laying this all out for us. We read in the book of Leviticus about the feast of first fruits. This is what the Jews practiced in their feast. And we read in Leviticus 23, verse 9, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you will bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. They would gather the first sheaves. They would take it to the priest. The priest would hold it and wave it before the Lord. And it was a way of honoring God. And they're being instructed in this feast to bring that sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. Bring it to the priest and he will wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. The first fruits. Then comes the harvest of the crops. Then comes the gleanings in the fields that would follow. Those are really the picture of the resurrections. That day would start on Friday at Passover. Remember, Passover was the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. He was crucified on the 14th of Nisan, it was Passover. On the next day, the Sabbath, the 15th of Nisan to the 21st of Nisan, it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread that would follow the Passover feast. And then on the 16th, which is Sunday, the first day of the week, the 16th of Nisan, it was the Feast of First Fruits. That was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. Paul, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he spoke of this also in verse 20. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you know of anyone that has fallen asleep and been put into the grave? If you know somebody that has fallen asleep and was put into the grave, it's because they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They simply fell asleep. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. When they're put into that tomb, it says you're putting them in and putting them to bed. And then to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Such great hope that we have as Christians, isn't it? It goes on. And it says, for since by man, speaking about Adam, came death. Did you know that? Death came by Adam in the garden upon all of us. And by another man, Jesus Christ, also came the resurrection from the dead. One man brought death. The other man, Jesus Christ, brought the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ 
All shall be made alive, all that know him. But each one in his own order. Listen to what the order is. Christ is the first fruits, and afterwards those who are Christ, when? At his coming. Then comes the end, we're told, when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. He's going to set himself up on that throne, the millennial kingdom. He's going to fulfill the prophecy and the promises and the covenant that he would take the throne of David once again. And he's going to rule and reign. And you and I that know him are going to rule and reign with him for those thousand years. Paul, he preached about the resurrection to King Agrippa. In Acts 26, 22, it says, In this day, Paul says, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other thing than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. I'm not saying anything different than them. That Christ would suffer and that he would be the first to raise from the dead. And he was the first fruits. And because he lives, we also live. Because he rose from the dead, because he had victory over the grave and victory over death, we also, that put our faith and trust in him, can have that hope of the resurrection. We have people in the Bible that we read about that were only resuscitated resuscitation is when the physical body is restored to mortal life you resuscitate somebody you bring them back so to speak from the dead or as Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead he came back in a body that was going to die again and there are a number of people, the widow's son, we read about that in the days of Elijah. We also read about Lazarus, whom Jesus called forth out of that tomb. He had to go on to die again. We have Eutychus that fell out that window and Paul laid down on him and he came to life again. He had to go and, and die after that. What we're talking about is not a mortal life, but an immortal life. One that a changed body that is going to live forever and ever and ever. And remember also in Matthew 27, verse 50, we read that on those final moments when Jesus was hanging on that cross, we're told that he cried out with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And they were told that the veil of the temple at that moment, this was a miracle of God. It was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked at that time and the rocks were told that they were split and the graves were opened. And then we're told that many, and it doesn't say all, it says that many bodies of the saints who fell, had fallen asleep, there's that term again, they were raised. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city, of, which was Jerusalem there, and they appeared to many. He met, wrapped your head around how that looked. People that had died and they're coming back into the city. And I read that and I think, you know what, Lord, you are so good because you know this is, this is just a sample of what's to come. The resurrection of our bodies. Paul, in the book of Philippians, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven. How many of you are citizens of the United States of America? We are. Yeah, I know it's kind of hard sometimes, but we are. No, praise the Lord, we are. But our real citizenship is in heaven. Amen. 
That's where it really is. That's what I'm waiting for. From which we eagerly, Paul says, we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then look what he says in verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Transformed. Any of you feel like this body's breaking down a little bit? You know, it's breaking down. He's going to transform this lowly body into his glorious body. The glorification of your body. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. In other words, God can do it. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He can take this broken body and he can make it new. Nineteen hundred plus years have transpired since Jesus rose from the dead. It's a long time. In God's perspective of things, that's like two days. A day is just a thousand years to the Lord. But for us, that's a long time. But the next resurrection, and there's no warning for this, by the way, because I believe when the rapture of the church happens, there's also going to be the first resurrection. And there is no warning to you and I as church-age saints of when that day will happen. No one knows the day or the hour. But when that resurrection takes place, it's going to happen simultaneously with the rapture. The two of them, those two things, they're going to happen together at the same time. First, it's going to be the resurrection of the church-age saints who have fallen asleep. And also the rapture of the church. All those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ who are still alive when Jesus Christ returns for us. We read in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. This is a very important passage in the Bible. It speaks about this particular event that is going to transpire. In verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. When a trumpet was blown, it was calling either for battle, it was calling for people to come. The trumpets were used in the nation of Israel. I want you to, to get your mind around what's happening as the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And then look what happens. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. This is an event. This is a future day to come. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. But it's an event to come. And then we, look at verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, speaking about the dead in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Do you see that, how that works? The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those of us that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And thus you, we shall always be with the Lord. Amen? Isn't that good? I love that. I'm expecting that. It's my hope. And not just hoping that it'll happen, it's my confident expectation. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 11, remember I said that there are going to be resurrections, plural. 
We read in Revelation chapter 11, and we'll get here and get into more detail later, but in verse 11 it says there's going to be a resurrection of the two witnesses during the tribulation period who are also going to be, in a sense, resurrected and also be raptured in the middle of the tribulation period. We read in verse 11, now after the three and a half, uh, after the three and a half days, in other words, that these two witnesses are dead. They've been killed for their faith. The breath of life from God enters them. When's the last time we, we, we heard of the breath of life? Going back to Genesis when he created man out of the ground. He said, and God breathed on them the breath of life and man became a living soul. And here we see this breath of life for God entering into them. He's the giver of life. He's the one that can bring a dead person back to life. That's the resurrection of these two witnesses. And then we're told that they stood on their feet. This is literal. This is going to happen literally. They stood on their feet. And we're told that all the people that were seeing this, great fear fell upon all that saw them. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that kind of shock you a little bit, freak you out. They stand to their feet. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, you see what it says? Come up here. Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. A rapture. A translation. Going from this earth into heaven. Some, by the way, believe that this could be Moses and Elijah. Then there's the tribulation saints. This is good news, church. The tribulation saints. Raise your hand if you have a loved one that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I think pretty much all of us. If the Lord were to come back today, if the tribulation period were to begin, then those people that do not know Jesus Christ are going to go into the tribulation period. Your loved ones, those people you care for, are going to go into the tribulation period. There are going to be those during the tribulation that are going to get saved. And this is why it's such good news. This is why our God is so gracious. So merciful towards mankind. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the heart of our Lord. It says in Revelation 6, 9, when Jesus opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? These are the earth dwellers. These are the people that don't know Christ. These are the ones that martyred them. How long until you avenge them? And then we're told in verse 11 that white robes were given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. How long? Whenever the time they die to the time at the end of the tribulation period, that's the little while longer that they're going to remain in the grave. Until both, look what it says, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was complete. You see, during the tribulation period, Majority of people that give their life to Christ are going to have to give up their life for Christ. Physical life. They're going to be killed for their faith. Our God is merciful. He wants to save. And that is going to be happening even during the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. 
There's going to be 144,000 Jews that are, we'll call them Jewish evangelists, that are going to be preaching the gospel during the tribulation period. They're going to be sealed by God. God's hand of protection, God's sealing upon them. And we read in verse 9 that John, after the sealing of these 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Can you imagine that? Uh, 144,000 evangelists going out proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And then John says, And I saw a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed again with white robes, with palm branches in their hand. This is John's bit. This is what he's seen. And they're crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. We're going to see that more next week in this heavenly scene. Saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We're going to be saying amen a lot in heaven. And then one of the elders answered and said, and look at, look at this, saying to me, who are these? One of the elders there in heaven says, to me, who are these? Who are these that are arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? Now, I believe that the church is in heaven already at this point. The church age saints are already in heaven. And then who are these? And where did they come from? What's this next group of people? that John is seeing this vision of in heaven, that have white robes on. Who is this next group of people? He tells us. And he said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Jews and Gentiles are going to be saved during the tribulation period. Amen? All of our loved ones that don't know Christ now, if they do go, and you might even give them heads up. If all of a sudden you see a bunch of Christians gone one day, if you see me gone, I've got my Bible opened up to that portion of Scripture and Revelation. Just go over to my house. You can break a window if you need to, if you don't have a key. I don't need the house anymore. Go inside and read what it says in the book of Revelation concerning these, this event that took place. Because it's going to happen. Our faith really gets tested in these matters. The Bible says what's going to happen and we have to ask ourselves the question, do I believe it? There's going to be the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. Some put the Old Testament saints being raptured with the church age saints. I think that the Old Testament saints are going to be raptured at the end of the tribulation period because the seven year tribulation period has a focus upon Israel. We read in the book of Daniel in chapter 12 verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The Jews the same way. Those that, those Jews, uh, those that put their faith in the coming Messiah that went to their grave hundreds and thousands of years ago are going to be resurrected at the end of the seven year tribulation period. There's going to be a resurrection of their bodies. In Revelation chapter 20, 
Again, we read this. John says, I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls, listen to this, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus Christ and for the word of God. These are the tribulation martyrs. These are those that give their life to Jesus Christ during that period of time and they're martyred for their faith. They will be martyred. Look what it says. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image. We're talking about the Antichrist. Or his image that he sets up in the temple. And had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands. And he's talking about the mark of the beast. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There's going to be a resurrection of those martyred saints at the end of the tribulation period. And they're going to also be reigning with you and I, the church age saints, during that thousand year millennial reign. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest, listen to this, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Who are they? But the rest of the dead, those that die during the tribulation period, those that don't know Christ, that die in the tribulation period, they're going to remain in the grave until the next resurrection, which is the second resurrection, which is going to be for those at the great white throne judgment. A thousand years now is going to transpire from the end of the seven-year tribulation to the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And then comes the second resurrection. Look at... Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. This is the great white throne judgment. John says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. John seen God sitting on the great white throne. And there was, no, uh, there was found no place for them. Those are probably some of the saddest words in our Bible. For these people that in the second resurrection, when they're resurrected after the thousand year millennium, it says, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. It's the one that our names, if you've given your life to Christ, it's written in the Lamb's book of life. But there are other books, and the books were opened. That's plural. And then it says, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. I don't know if these things are being recorded of all the things that they have done in God. And they'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But it says that the sea gave up the dead who were in the death and Hades. We read this part up to the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And then look what it says. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was what? Cast into the lake of fire. God's not willing that any would perish. God doesn't want to send people to hell. God doesn't want people to go to the lake of fire. That's not the very heart, love, and nature of the God that we serve. But God must and God will judge sin. He has to. He will. And that day of reckoning will come. A man will stand before a holy God and will give an account. And God will judge them of their works in that day. And then we have, and we're, uh, we'll draw close here, we have the rapture of the church. 
another important part of this, both the first resurrection that we uh, talked about already and the rapture of the church are going to happen together. We will talk about, and, and, and there are various views on this, there's pre-trib, some people have a pre-trib, that's what I hold, pre-trib rapture view. There's mid-trib, there's post-trib, it all has to do with timing. All has to do with the timing when you think the rapture, somewhere or another, these bodies have to get into heaven. There's going to be a rapture, doesn't matter what view you hold, if you're alive when the Lord comes back, these bodies have to get into heaven. They have to be transformed. You can't go, flesh and blood doesn't enter into the kingdom of God. You've got to have a new transformed body by God, glorified bodies. But one of the other key passages to the rapture of the church uh, that we uh, find is in uh, the book of uh, Corinthians. And I'm going I'm to move this ahead a little bit because we're close to out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 to 54. This is another key passage in regards to the rapture of the church. You know, some people say, well, you don't find rapture in the Bible. And you're correct. But what you do find in the Bible is you do find the Greek word harpazo. And Jerome, who wrote, was commissioned by the king to write uh, a Latin uh, translation of the Bible, the Latin Vulgate, he actually translated harpazo in the Greek in the Latin term uh, rapteo. He translated it that way. We get our English word rapture. So we might say, well, you don't see rapture in the Bible, but you do actually have a rapture spoken of in the Bible. It's important for us when we uh, formulate our views that we do not try to base it upon, well, somebody said that there's no word rapture in the Bible. Well, let me ask you another question. Do you believe in the Trinity? How many of you believe in the Trinity? You don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Why do you believe it? Because it's all the way through the Bible. Why do you believe in a rapture? Because Jesus spoke of it. He used the word harpazo. It means by definition to be snatched away, to be taken by force. That is the actual definition, not only of the Latin word, but also of the Greek word that we read in our Bibles. And so I believe that it's important for us to know that a rapture will take place. Look at your Bibles at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. You know that term, right? Speaking about Christians, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're not all going to be asleep when he returns, but we will all be changed. Notice that Paul, writing this letter to the church at Corinth, he calls it a mystery. A mystery is something that is not to be concealed, but a mystery in the Bible is something that is to be revealed. It's something that they didn't know in times past, but now it is being revealed to the church. Did you know that the book of Thessalonians that we read already, and the book of Corinthians, both of those were written within 25 years of the death of Jesus Christ. This was early days in the church that Paul is writing these letters of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Corinthians. These are early letters. He's talking about the rapture of the church. Some people say, well, that was just made up, you know, so-and-so by some crazy Bible prophecy scholars. They talk about this rapture. No, it wasn't. Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. To be changed, and that word by definition means to exchange one thing for another, to be transformed. That's what we're talking about. We shall all be transformed. We shall all be changed. When will we be changed? 
How will we be changed? Look at verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. The, that, that term, that phrase just means a rapid movement. It's like a person throwing a javelin across the sky. It's like the rush of wind that would come through. In the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen like that. The rapture of the church, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those of us that are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo, to meet the Lord in the air, and there we shall ever be. Paul says, comfort one another with these words. They are comforting to know that the Lord is coming back. He says in verse 53, for this corruptible body must put on incorruption. This can't go into heaven. None of the stuff you have or this thing that we're in right now, this body, can't go into heaven like it is. This corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. That's what has to happen. That's what will happen at the resurrection and the rapture of the church age saints. Verse 54, so when this corruptible body has put on incorruption, when that happens, and this mortal body has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Amen. That's the hope that we have. That's the confidence that we have as believers. So let it be. So let that day come. Lord, I'm looking forward to that day. I, I, I'm looking forward, and, and just like it finishes out the book of, Reve book of Revelation, even so, Lord, come quickly. When's the last time you said that? Even so, Lord, come quickly. As I look at this world and look at what's going on, even so, Lord, come quickly. I'm ready. And I would ask you that question, even this morning. Are you ready? If he came back at the end of the service here, today, in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, and you stood face to face with him, are you ready? Would he say, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord? What will that day look like for each one of us that are here this morning hearing this message? What will that day look like? If you're here and you do not know him as Lord and Savior, I give you an invitation to come up and talk to me. I'll, I'll be up here for a moment and I'll be at the back. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us in a song. They're going to close us out. If you haven't received Christ, if you've heard, you're accountable with the message you heard this morning. This is it. And there's no guarantee that the Lord, you know, there's no guarantee it's going to be, you know, another 10 years from now, another five years. You know, I got time. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. But he says, you know the times and the seasons. You'll see the things going on around you that speak. And when you see these things come to pass, know that I am near, even at the door, he says. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. That's our God. He gave you a free will to receive or to reject. My prayer is that every one of you in here this morning knows him as Lord and Savior. You're born again. You know it. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You know it. If the Lord came back today, I, I wouldn't be sitting here going, wow, I hope he's going to say, thou good and faithful servant. But that we would know. Next week, 
We're going to go into the throne room. I love Kyle's worship set for us today because it's all about that throne room. Next week, and I'll have some pictures for you. Not literal pictures, but we're going to enter into the throne room next week. It's going to be glorious if the Lord doesn't come back today. So let's all stand.